You're listening to the Living Leadership Podcast, growing disciple-making leaders. Well, welcome back to the Living Leadership Podcast. I'm Marcus Honeyset. If you enjoy our content, please do like and hit subscribe to get notifications of new episodes. And feel free to share the podcast with ministry friends and colleagues. In this episode, I want to talk about life in the Holy Spirit. And I want us to see that living by the Holy Spirit of God is the place that power comes from to live the Christian life. And of course, that means it's absolutely critical for leadership as well. Power doesn't come from our works. It doesn't come from our ability. It doesn't come from our power to obey or to make ourselves holy. Let's begin briefly with who is the Holy Spirit? The first thing the Nicene Creed says about the Holy Spirit is that he is the Lord, the giver of life. A creation is the Spirit of God who's hovering over the waters. And then it is the Holy Spirit who gives new life, first to Jesus and then to everyone who is in Jesus. So Romans 8.11 says, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, through his Spirit who lives in you. Uh, My good friend Mike Reeves points out the amazing truth underlying that, that we do not have life in ourselves. We only have life by the Spirit of God. But the life he's giving isn't a package or a present. It's his own life. It's the life of God. So Jesus said that when the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, comes, another counsellor like him, He will make the Father and the Son real to us, and the Father and the Son will come and make their home with us. The Apostle Paul says that one of the chief marks is God pouring his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. The Holy Spirit, then, is a person of the Godhead. He's co-eternal in majesty, he's equal in glory, and perfect in unity with the Father and the Son. And he's leading us in the love of God. And the way he's doing so is by opening our eyes to see the glory of Jesus. Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit came, he would testify about him. That's John chapter 15, verse 26. Knowing Jesus and through him the Father is what we mean by life in the Spirit. And we get it by gazing. So this is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. I'll read from verse 15. When Moses is read, a veil covers people's hearts. But whenever anybody turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect or gaze on the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That is, life in the Spirit, transformation from one degree of glory to another, happens as we let the Holy Spirit fill the gaze of the eyes of our hearts with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is getting us to behold Jesus and therefore to know and love him. He is uniting us to Jesus. 
that's not the only thing to say about the work of the Spirit in our lives. He is giving us gifts to participate in Jesus' great cause. He is transforming our characters to show forth his fruit. He's giving us the mind of Christ so that we start to think like him. But it is the main thing. The Holy Spirit is uniting us to Jesus, opening up to us fellowship of worship and stirring up in us delight with the Father, the Son and the Spirit. So when we're talking about life in the Spirit, we really are talking about life, fullness of God's life that swallows up our life with all its tawdry sinfulness and desire for idols. He replaces it with the life of God. That's what happens when we're converted. We are new creatures. The old has gone, the new has come. We have new identities, united to Jesus, given new desires and new better treasure by the Holy Spirit of God. So a Christian's gaze is now in a different place to before we were Christians, because we're children of God. We're not children of the world. We have new treasure. Jesus said that where our, heart, our treasure is, that's where our heart is. So because we're being transformed by the Holy Spirit of God through the grace of God, we have different life priorities too. Our lives are on new trajectories. We're getting more and more aligned with true north and progressively further and further away from the trajectory of the world and worldliness. We expect that we're going to be transformed. Or do we? I actually think it's pretty easy to expect to not be transformed and to carry on living pretty much like we did before. Either because we don't think very much about the transformation that God wants to bring into our lives, or because we don't think concretely about it. Yes, we think the Bible talks about transformation, but I don't really know what that means or what to expect. And nobody ever explains it to me, so everybody else is probably about as clueless as I am. It all seems a bit vague. Or Perhaps because it sounds a bit vague, we're tempted to go back to something that feels more concrete, a better measure of progress. That was the problem in the church in Galatia, which is the reason for the letter to the Galatians. I thought, well, yes, we started by the Spirit. Now we need metrics. We need something that we can measure to see our progress. So let's go back to the works of the law. Let's define our holiness and our walk with the Lord according to our law obedience. You only have to read Galatians to find out how fruitless that was. As Christians, we frequently use phrases like having a relationship with God, having a relationship with Christ Jesus. It's a basic part of our Christian vocabulary. But it's quite a vague term. And the word relationship frequently changes its meaning and its connotation as society's ideas about relationships change. I guess at the moment the prevailing idea that the word relationship communicates is probably something romantic between two people. It's quite easy to cast our understanding of a relationship with God in those terms. It's interesting that the Bible never uses the phrase a relationship with God. Although it is a brilliant reality, it's there all over the place. God's people had a relationship with him corporately in the Old Testament. The church is the body of Christ. Back then they had representative kings, prophets and priests. We have our Jesus who is all of them. 
Uh, the church of Jesus is the people who are in him, united to him from Pentecost till now. And of course, we do have a relationship with him individually. He has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We know and have been seized by his truth. Jesus in John 14 says that the Father and the Son come to disciples and make their home with us and invite us into their divine joy. But the phrase a relationship with God is not used. The one that is used is walking by the Spirit or living by the Spirit or keeping in step with the Spirit. That's the way the Bible describes how we live out this vital relationship and stay close to God day by day. How do we actually do that? What does it actually mean? Well, Galatians 5 is the great chapter for telling us what ought to be emerging in our characters as we live by the Spirit. The things that we ought to expect, the things we should be looking for, maybe the barometer of our hearts if we can't see any change going on at the moment. Let me read from Galatians 5 verses 16 to 26. The Apostle Paul says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discourse, uh, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So how do we actually do it? How do we live to please the Holy Spirit? How does he grow these things in us? What does it mean that we have an obligation to the Holy Spirit rather than to the sinful nature, as it says in Romans chapter 8? Well, historically, lots of Christians, not all, but lots, have interpreted live by the Spirit to mean that the measure of how well I'm doing in my Christian life is how sinless can I manage to be? Bible passages are quoted to support that view, like the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, your righteousness must be greater than the Pharisees, and that we must be perfect as God is perfect. Some take Galatians 5.16, if you live by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature, to mean that if we do everything we possibly can to not sin, then that's walking by the Spirit. But woe betide you if you do sin. As soon as you think one bad thought, you step outside the purposes of God and the Holy Spirit is no longer active in your life. Thankfully, that is not what Galatians 5.16 says. 
it says the opposite. Walk by the Spirit, and sin recedes. It doesn't get foregrounded in your life anymore because it will have been replaced with something better, something more attractive, namely the presence of God by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, it's basically the same thing as living by faith, worked out in love to others. Nitty-gritty, experientially, how can we actively live more or less by the Spirit? Let's get really practical here. We all have ups and down days in our Christian lives. We all know the joy of special moments with God and the despair of slipping into sin. We read about living by the Spirit and it sounds like there's an active component to going on in the life of the Spirit. Is there something that we can do that will help us to live by the Spirit? I believe the answer is yes, because Paul says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So here then are two aspects to the Christian life. Live by the Spirit, prayerfully enjoy the Spirit producing his uh, faith worked out in love, and keep in step with the Spirit, or be led by the Spirit. If you have a Bible, you might like to just compare Galatians 5.25 and Romans 8 verses 5 to 8, because it'll help us see what it means to live by the Spirit. So Galatians 5.25 says, since we live by the Spirit, and that's mirrored in Romans 8 verse 5, those who live in accordance with the Spirit. Galatians says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Romans 8 says, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So let us keep in step with the Spirit, Galatians, means have your mind set on what the Spirit desires, Romans 8. Now, that's not difficult to understand. It might be hard to do at times, but it's not hard to get our heads round. It all comes down to what we desire. Or for people who don't like to talk about desire, what do you really want? Which is the same thing. The Holy Spirit creates desires in us and sin creates desires in us. And normally it's not hard to see which for Christians. We choose to focus our minds on one or the other. When we came to Christ, the Holy Spirit indwelt us, made us regenerated, and he started to change us from the inside out, and he is progressively transforming our desires. Previously, we only had one set of desires, to please ourselves. Now we have two, two competing desires, uh, an old nature and a new nature that fight against each other. The old nature desires to sin, the new nature desires to love God. And that's when we're aware of real struggle with sin as Christians. It's often a good sign, because without the Holy Spirit living in us, there wouldn't be a struggle. So walking more closely with the Holy Spirit means setting our heart on what the Spirit desires and denying what the old nature desires. 
in all decisions of our day. He is transforming our hearts and attitudes. And he is at work producing the fruit of God in our characters. That Galatians 5 fruit of the Spirit that we read. This fruit is causing us to desire godliness we, we just didn't desire before. Recognising and receiving this grace and following our strong new desires is what the Bible means by keeping in step with the Spirit. He is orienting us towards God in a transformed way. To live by faith is to live or be led by the Spirit. They're the same thing. And those who are led by the Spirit bear the fruit of the Spirit, which is why the fruit is a good barometer. So here are four things we can actually do. First, gaze on Christ, like we heard in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If we gaze, we are transformed. Gaze with the eyes of our hearts. Soak yourself in the scriptures. Second, put to death the misdeeds of the body. Because that isn't who we are anymore. We have the Holy Spirit living in us who enables us to say no to sin. We're children of the King, we're sons of God. Romans 8 says that the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children and co-heirs. Third, let's reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Every day when we get up, let's say something like, thank you, Father, so much that I can come freely into your presence by the blood of Jesus. Help me today to focus my mind on the things of God. Help me flee from sin and temptation. Help me please you and to love you with my actions and decisions. Reckoning is an active thing. Decide. Decide you're his. Decide that your mind and your decisions and your relationships and your actions and your dreams are his. And the fourth thing, let's serve others in love. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, the two great chapters on spiritual gifts, it says, follow the way of love, Use your gifts in love to build up the body. And that, for all of us listening to this leadership podcast, includes our leadership gifts. It is what marks us out as different in the public leadership sphere. Briefly before we close, what are some of the dangers for leaders if we let walking by the Spirit slip? I guess the first thing is that we start to think we can do it all on our own. We cease praying for his power and his work in us and through us. We give up eagerly desiring spiritual gifts. We give up praying that he will do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine and think that actually the most that might be accomplished is probably what I can do at the outside edge of my own ability if I wear myself out at it. We think we can do it on our own. And then we stop encouraging other people to seek God. We lose the spiritual focus of our ministry if it's not coming from a spiritual centre. If you and people in your church have stopped asking things like, what's God doing in our lives at the moment to each other? It's possible that your expectations of God working by his spirit have burned low. Then it doesn't take long before we're no longer delighting ourselves in God's grace. We stop remembering that we're clothed in Jesus' righteousness. Like the Galatians, we start to come back under law with its guilt and condemnation. We lose our gratitude. And then we start to think that everything depends on me. 
So we get into overwork, frustration, not seeing change and growth. And then, of course, this overflows into the whole church. Let me summarise it like this. The Holy Spirit came to live inside us when we became Christians. He is transforming us from the inside to become like Jesus Christ. He does this by producing his fruit of godliness in our characters. And this fruit in turn causes us to desire godliness that we couldn't desire and didn't even want before. Recognising and receiving this grace and following these strong new desires for God is what the Bible means by keeping in step with the Spirit or being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit is the way that the power of sin is broken in our lives to be replaced with a whole new orientation to God. And the result in our lives is wonderful. Romans 15 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So trust him. Put your faith in him today. Pray for him to produce more and more godly fruit in your character and strengthen your new godly desires even further. It is the way to overflowing hope and to peace and to all joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just good, but critical to take steps to ensure that we are being led by the Spirit. And to do it together, encourage one another in these things. Let's have the courage to seek God, to admit when perhaps we've got out of step with the Spirit, and to help others, help one another instead to live as his dearly loved, adopted children, because we are trophies of grace. Well, I hope that this uh, brief look at the work of the Spirit in our lives has encouraged you. You might like to jot down a chief take-home, perhaps, for you to pray about or share with somebody. Once again, don't forget to like and subscribe for notifications and to share the Living Leadership podcast with your friends. And I look forward to you tuning in next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Living Leadership podcast. For more about Living Leadership, to connect with us, to give, or to sign up for regular prayer news, please visit livingleadership.org. Blessings.